So if you'll turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John and chapter 20. We're going to consider something from the Word of God this morning together. And then we're going to partake of communion with one another. Notice here in John 20. And and we're just going to read the first ten verses. If you don't have a Bible, there's one that should be on your row there. And if you ever need to take one, just do that. We'll we'll replace them, and uh, we don't mind doing that. John chapter 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's talking about John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus, his head, not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached him first, also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your holy word. And as we consider your word this morning, Lord, would you come down in power into our lives to empower us to do what we need to do as believers and followers of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a fascinating text for many reasons. Obviously, in the Gospel of John, you get a lot of new material, and we don't have to rehearse that. You've heard that from me before. It's not one of the synoptics, so most of the material, 90% of the material in the Gospel of John is not found in the other three Gospels, and that's significant. And in particular, his resurrection accounts are very interesting counting even this one. This is the very first one. Notice at the, ver- at the beginning here, on the first day of the week. What is today? It's none other than the first day of the week. People wonder sometimes, why is it that Christians meet on Sunday? Just some kind of tradition that they do? No, it's because the Bible clearly tells us that this is where it all began, was on the first day of the week. And so they were going to the tomb... On the first day of the week, we are coming to his church on the first day of the week. But they didn't know it yet, but they were going to celebrate the resurrection. And we are here to celebrate the resurrection. Now, what what has always sort of grabbed me about the Bible is the interesting details that you get sometimes. You don't always get it, but sometimes you get some really interesting things. Like if you were writing this story, what would you add? What would you have said about that day? I mean, you can't say everything, so what would you have said? And one of the things that I find really, really awesome about this one is there's actually a lot of running. 
Did you notice that? Did you, did you catch that in there? There's actually a lot of run. So Mary is running once she knows that the tomb has been opened. She's running. And then all of a sudden, the, the two disciples, right? They're running alongside of each other. And, and I love what John, who he's trying to be deferential here by saying, you know, the one who Jesus loved. He's not wanting to mention his name, which was kind of not proper in the ancient world to do that. Um, it was kind of a prideful thing to mention your own name in a writing. So he's just saying, you know, the one that Jesus loved. And then he says, but it did outrun Peter. So that's got to be for something, right? I mean, they're running alongside each other to the tomb. What? What? They stole the body? What in the world? And one of them outruns the other. And he's like, well, you know, by the way, I did outrun Peter. I did get there first. I think I would have probably added something like that if that would have happened with somebody in the church and myself running. Unfortunately, that probably wouldn't happen. It's it's the exact opposite that would have happened. And that's been proven already. Um, in a race that Jason and, and, uh, and um, Catherine and I did. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but I lost. So <clears throat> that's what... That's what uh, there's a lot of running here. It's kind of fascinating. This is the Word of God, and yet you have some running going on. You run in times of emergency. We ever saw that? And remember the day of 9-11, people were running. People that maybe hadn't run in a year or five years or ten years were running. People that didn't even need to be running were running. When danger comes. Or maybe, what about the firefighters and first responders? They were running. They're not running away. They're running too. Well, I don't want to do a biblical theology of running in the Bible. So, just... But instead, I just want to help us to consider a few things from a personal experience that that I have had in my own life recently from running. Back in the day when when we were teenagers, my brother and I, um, we were playing paintball and we were in the woods near our house and we had a bunch of friends with us and, you know, we're da-da-da-da-da, we're lighting it up, you know, having fun. I was on the hiding team. He was supposed to be finding, he was on a different team that was supposed to be finding them. It was sort of a search and destroy uh, set up. And so I'm hiding. And because I know my brother's voice and I know the inflections of his voice, living with him for all of that time that I had, um, I know when he would be not telling me the whole truth or I knew when he would be trying to trick me most of the time. And I'm a student of people anyway. So this is something I kind of look for and listen for intently. And so here, here it is all of a sudden In the midst of my hiding with my buddies, we're waiting to ambush. I hear my brother yell out, Marshall! I immediately get up and reveal myself from my position. And my my buddies are like, what what are you doing? He's just trying to trick us. (laughs) I said, no, no, no. I know. I know my brother's voice. Something's wrong. Something's not right. I heard it again, Marshall. So I come running, and I emerge out of the woods there, and there's a police officer, gun drawn. He says, sir, I need you to stay still. I need you to put your hands in the air. And I'm like, it's a paintball. I don't care. Put your hands in the air. It's a paintball gun, sir, I promise. He's like, don't move. Now, if you will, undo the CO2, yada, yada, and so the whole thing. Um what happened was <laughs> we had a guy that was wielding his paintball gun 
to people across the street before he went into the woods and they called the cops and so on and so forth. Well, it was not a big deal other than he did have a gun drawn, which was, was kind of serious. And I knew my brother's voice, and so I came running because I knew he was serious. I knew he wasn't trying to trick me. You know what? There's times where we need to run. There's times where when we hear the call, it's not a time to walk casually and follow Jesus. It's a time to pick it up and run. There are times and rhythms in our life of urgency and times where we have a flat ground where there's really no need to be just sprinting, sprinting it out. What I'd like to say to you is I think as far as a church, body, and family, we're in a time where we need to sprint. There's a call going out. Some of us have heard it. Some of us have felt that it's very important that what we do the last half of this year into the next year is going to define the years to come. It's hearing the call and recognizing that it's a time to run because people need Jesus. This city needs the Lord. We need to make his love known to this place in this time. And so there I was a few weeks back, and I was down in the dumps in a place of hurt and rejection and lots of other things, which, which really rarely happens to me. And so because it was happening, it was a big deal to me in, in my life and as an event in my life. And my mind, when that happens, runs constantly. It just never stops running. It's, it's overheating, but I can't turn it off. I don't get any sleep. I immediately go into fasting and praying mode through the night into the next day. All day, I've got just this war happening in my head and in my heart. And I can't stop it. I feel defeated. I'm weak. And what it ends up taking to sort of get me out of this is a run. I had to preach the next day. And so I'm thinking, Lord, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to. What, what am I going to say in a state like I'm in right now? And he said, just go for a run. Well, I hadn't ran in a long time. And actually, Jason Corrigan had, uh, had been inspiration to me that very day. He had done his first triathlon. Um, now, he had told me that I was inspiration for him, but in that day, he was inspiration for me. And that's how it works in life, isn't it? In our Christian life, isn't it? We all need to be picked up. We've all fallen by the wayside. We all started walking at some point, And we have to have somebody come on and say, hey, hey, it's time to run now. Let's go. And so I struck out on a run. It was blazing hot. And God taught me a few lessons and actually many lessons, but I'm giving you the shorthand. So the first was this, there are ups and downs. When you go for a run, there's going to be ups and downs. You say, I live actually pretty, pretty, pretty flat area. No, when you run, listen to me, there's going to be ups and downs. 
I mean, when you're in your car, a little incline is nothing. When you're on a bike, psh, big deal. Little bitty grade. But when you're running, little grade becomes a big grade. A mile of incline becomes Mount Everest. You're going in your Christian life, in your run with Christ, in your walk with Him, in your journey with Him, we're going to be up and down. There are hills, there are valleys, and sometimes there's the valley of the shadow of death, and the only thing in that time to do is cry out to Jesus Himself from the depths of your heart. Because when you're down... When you're down at the lowest dumps in your life, I mean, the last rung, there's no way you could go lower than that. All you can do is look up, isn't it? There are noises in the brush. Inevitably, when I go on my run, I hear things in the brush that I don't hear when I'm in a car. I'm like, what's that? Is that a dog? Shuffling probably just a squirrel. I think I know the differences now, finally. At times, there will be bugs. On that run, I had bugs hitting me in the face, not my windshield. You say, man, you were really running fast. No, you you wouldn't have thought so had you seen it. (laughs) It wasn't fast. It was just a lot of bugs. And they're going in my eyes and in my mouth and in my ears. And I could have stopped could have stopped and said, you know what, i gotta, I got to clean out my eyes. I just kept running. I just pulled a Forrest Gump, you know. I just started running and didn't really stop. You will encounter not only bugs in this life, but you'll also encounter dogs. Inevitably, if you run anywhere, neighborhoods, whatever, you know, unfortunately, I run out of a neighborhood and into sort of open country. You know what open country is, right? There's no subdivisions, there's no leash law stuff and all that, and we live, you know, in the county technically, so there's dogs. There's dogs. Now that's, oh, yeah, that's great, you know, pet them. No, 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 not, not these dogs, not the ones I've encountered, maybe ones you encountered. A couple of them, you know, they just yep, 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 right on my heels. I'm like looking at the owner like, are you going to get this guy, you know? Um, but some of them are scary, and I have before been known to pick up a large stick and just run with it. And I've been passed by a car, the guy's like, like, don't break your neck, buddy. I'm just trying to protect myself here with a branch. And then throw it away when I'm outside of the range of the dog. But you're going to find dogs that want to eat you. This is what I've learned. And not only bugs and dogs, but you will inevitably, if you run enough, meet the serpent himself. I don't do snakes. And I don't do Satan, who is the serpent of old. And yet, I've seen him. And you talk about being tired and running. When I see a snake on the side of the road, and I'm very tired, I don't just casually keep running. I pick up the pace. I get out of dodge. And this is what we should do when we encounter the enemy. Flee. Sexual immorality. Flee the enemy. Resist the devil and he will do what? He has to run. Galatians 5, 7. Paul asked the Galatians, he says, you were running 
so well. What happened? Distractions. Always on either side of me are two ditches with distractions. Things that people throw away and you'd be very surprised at what I've found on the side of the road. Now when you're buzzing by in your car, you can't really see everything. But it's not appropriate for me to even say all of what I've found on the side of the road here today. It's the garbage of the world. And it's tossed to the wayside. And it shows that people are utterly distracted in their life. And we must not fall in either ditch. Proverbs 1.16 says, For the feet of those people run to evil. They run to evil. They're not running to God. They're running to do what is evil. Don't be running for that. There's also vehicles. People waving. People not waving. People smiling. Some people not smiling at all. They're actually mad that I'm on the road that I can be on running. They're mad about it. Some cars you would think would take notice that you're there. You're like, oh yeah, here comes the school bus. He'll surely get over. Almost kills me with a bunch of kids involved. I'm like, dude, did you not see me? Cars can be very dangerous when you're on the road. And we're going to meet cars in this life that people are blowing past us, people speeding past us, and sometimes we wish we were in the car. I do. But you know what? We've got our own path to run. You have your own race to run. Everybody in this sanctuary has their own race to run, and only you can run it. Maybe somebody's ahead of you. Maybe somebody's behind you. Maybe somebody's alongside you. Only you can run. Only you. I can't run for you. You can't run for me. There's also great misunderstanding when you're running. You misunderstand yourself, for one. You're like, why am I doing this? Oftentimes I'll ask people, if, um, if you don't think humans are complex, then go run five miles right now. Just pick it up and go run five miles what you'll find is a great argument that happens within yourself. You'll actually learn, I think this is probably the best psychology class I could offer, because I don't teach psychology, um, is just go running. What you'll find is you have a will that wants to do something. You have ideas from your mind. Oh, yeah, I want to lose weight or I want to get in shape or whatever. You have a body that disagrees with most of that. <laughs> you have a heart. That says, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. And then you do it for a week and you never find it again. We are complex creatures, aren't we? There's a lot of inner workings inside of you. And if you don't know those yet, if you've never explored those, just go running. And you'll see very quickly that you disagree with yourself. You misunderstand yourself. And your bones and muscles are crying out, stop. And sometimes other people misunderstand you. I mean, I'm sure I get looked at in, from cars and they're like, why would you run when you can ride? But it doesn't do the same things, does it? There's pain, there's injury, there's disappointment, there's hopelessness, 
didn't they feel that this day? They still didn't fully understand that he was risen. They still thought his body was stolen. But they're running because they know there's something urgent going on. Don't miss the urgency that Jesus has for us at this church. There's times, there's a pace to set, yes, but there's times to pick up the pace. There's not only disappointment and injury and pain and hopelessness in this life, we've all experienced it, but there's also victory. And if, if we can see the victory line, the finish line, in our head and convince our body and a will and all those different parts of us, when we're done running, you feel better. You feel great. But not in the moment. And much of the Christian life is like that. Bearing the cross is not some kind of fun thing always, but it is the only thing to do. It's the only way Jesus offers. There is no other way. In running, simple things become difficult. And a lot of times in our Christian life, simple little things that we should have down by now are difficult. Reading the Bible. Praying for other people. Grouping together. Serving. These things can become difficult. I mean, when I'm running, breathing is difficult. Thinking is difficult. Listening is difficult. Running is difficult. Walking is the next step. Sometimes I'm just like, just make it one more step. Anybody ever been there in their life? I just need, sometimes I look down there and I'm like, oh man, there's 72. It's way down there. And I have to tell myself, just get to the next mailbox. That's my strategy. Just to the next mailbox. I see the next mailbox. I need to get to the next mailbox. Sometimes we can look too far ahead and see how far we have to go and it depresses us and we quit. Don't do that. Just focus on one more step. What's the next step you need to take in your Christian life with, in your following of the risen Lord? Jesus, what's the next step you need to take? There'll be time to think down the line later. What's the next step? You can't look too far ahead. You can't look back. Don't look back. Because when I look back, then that means I have to go all the way. You know, I have to, on my run, I don't have a new way to run. I, have, I go all the way up to 72 and then back. So if I look back ahead of time, man, it's depressing. I'm like, i got to go run all that again? Don't think, nope, nope, nope. got to dismiss that. And many things in our Christian life we just simply have to dismiss. We're not going to want to do it. Some people have this idea that being a Christian, you want to do everything. That's not true. And yet it can still be obedience. Others help. I think of other people when I'm running. I thought of you. Actually, the whole reason I, I mean, I had not run in a couple of months, and I was dying. But I made it. I ran the whole way that day just because of you. 
Because basically I wanted to just tell you I ran the whole way because of you. But you know what? It got the job done, didn't it? Sometimes if you got to obey Jesus just because of somebody else, because somebody you know somebody else needs that in their life, do it. We're not living this life for ourselves anyway. I told my body, we're going to do it for other people. And sometimes you got to do that in your Christian life. Be glad for others when they run past you. Jason, in the race that we were in, he blew right past me. Right at the end. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing really. You know what? I was genuinely joyful that he did. I love that. I want to see other people serve. Because I know the joy in serving. I want to see other people connected, living real life together, finding accountability, finding a place to belong, and to be cared for. Because if you don't think you need to belong, and you don't think you need accountability, and you don't think you need care, then you are blind, spiritually speaking. We all do. Every single The Son of God, God himself, submitted himself to a group. Lastly, posture matters. You can't run like this. Maybe you can. It'd be terrible for breathing. When I have the best posture is actually when I'm running. (laughs) I mean, it's... I'm like, because a pipeway, I mean, if you done like this, I mean, it's tough. Posture matters in our Christian life. And our posture in the Christian life is, is this right here. Lord, whatever you want to give me, give it to me. I'm not going to then take it and say, this is mine. Nobody else is getting this. Instead, everything is yours, Lord. Everything. Everything and always. What you put in matters when you're running. If you don't believe in nutrition, just run. You're like, I really wish I didn't eat that hamburger. (sighs) Drink that Coke. What we put in, the Bible says it's going to come out. It's going to be our energy. So what are we putting in? Let's put in the pure milk of the Word of God. That's what the Bible calls it. Finally, realize that we're in a race and just do it. You don't have to understand it all. Just, I mean, Nike, right? In a stroke of marketing brilliance, just do it. If you want to get good at it, just start doing it. Just. Some people buy all the clothes and they got all the shoes and never get around to running. We provide a lot of stuff here and some people dress the part and do all this and they're not running. Actually not running the race. And it's real easy to criticize when you're sitting on the sidelines. Oh, I could run better than that. Look, look at this guy. Look, look at this guy. Get out there and run. You won't be doing that. Everybody's a better quarterback in their chair, aren't they? 
We're not called to sit on the sidelines, not yet. One day we will sit on the sidelines, but those guys that are sitting on the sidelines, they've already run the race. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews, isn't it? They've already run the race, and now guess what they're doing? They're not just up there criticizing us. No, what's happening all around us are the saints of God are cheering us on. They're saying, if you could only sacrifice your time this week to meet with someone else in the faith, it would be profitable. If you would only give your gifts, if you would only give your talents, you would see that God would open up an entirely new dimension for you in your life because it's happened to them and they're cheering us on. And when we look at their life, they've already run the race and they've already achieved the prize, which is Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy plainly, he says, look, I've run the race. I'm out, big guy. I'm handing the baton to you. Who's coaching you in this race? Who are you coaching in this race? Who are you helping? Who are you happy that's ahead of you? Who are you helping that's behind you? Jesus is calling us to join him because he's the forerunner. He's the forerunner. He's already set the path. He's already set the pace. And now, we as a church, we want to help you. We want to help you run this race. We don't want to leave anybody behind. We don't. We want to help. When somebody falls down, we want to help them up. We want you to help us help other people. That's what we're all about. And that's what Jesus would have us to think this morning as we just look at something really interesting and detailed in John 20. They're running on the morning of the first resurrection. And what I'm saying is time to run now on so many days after the first resurrection, on this resurrection morning. Run with me. Let's just do it. Amen.